Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. Hey guys, and welcome to the Moms and Murder podcast, a true crime podcast featuring myself, Mandy, and my dear friend, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Mandy. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm kind of over the rainy weather that we've been having. Every day? Every day. Every single day? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, But we got lucky. We didn't really get much from that little wannabe tropical storm, Alberto, that just passed by us. Such a joke. It It was a nothing burger. I know. I know. It's true. So today's story is out of Bonita Springs, Florida. Uh, It's about a high-profile holistic alternative medicine doctor who was named Teresa Seavers, and she was found dead in her home after returning from a trip to visit family in upstate New York. So this was during a time uh, when a lot of holistic doctors had kind of been found dead for different various reasons. And, of course, the conspiracy theorists took that and ran wild with it and kind of AKA thought, like, your best friends, yeah. <laughs> all the pages I follow. Yeah. Um, no. So they were kind of just saying like, is there a link between, you know, these holistic alternative, you know, natural medicine doctors turning up dead um, at all? Or is it just a coincidence? <laughs> right. So. Like the rest of us normally. Think. Yeah, right. yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You look so thrilled when I was talking about that. Ugh, it's rough. <laughs> it's rough for me. So before we get into um, the rest of the story, we want to do a quick little we Yelp slash Googled this city. I feel like it's time to change the name. I saw your note. Yeah, your note said we Googled this city. And I was like, yeah, I think that's probably best. (laughs) (laughs) So our we Googled this city for Bonita Springs, Florida. Um, Bonita Springs is a pop has a population of around 43,914 as of the 2010 census. We're actually just a few hours away from Bonita Springs. Bonita Springs was actually named Survey originally. Um, It was named after the surveyors that set up camp there in the 1870s, which is like the most boring name in the world. Yeah, they really like just folded (laughs) in on that one. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, So they decided like, yeah, this needs some sprucing up and they changed the name. Very good call. I would much rather Bonita Springs sounds very like beautiful. Like I want right? to go there. I, w- I just want to <laughs> visit. Yeah. I don't even know what's there. Surveyors. I feel like, I don't know. What's the guy on Toy Story, the old man, the prospector. That's what it reminds me of. And one thing I found that was kind of interesting, sorry guys, there wasn't a whole lot of information because Florida, it's like murders, 
all the time, and that's really all I could find. Um, the Gulf Coast portion of the Everglades near Bonita Springs is the only place on Earth where both alligators and crocodiles reside. Oh, Maybe, I didn't know that. Yeah, what's the difference between an alligator and a crocodile? I don't know. I know you can tell by looking at their... Like, like nose or noses? something? Yeah, yeah, but I I mean, as far as like actual differences, I don't know, Melissa. Just I'm run, not, like, right? Just run. Just, yeah. <laughs> if I see either one, I'm taking out, you know, getting out of there. So. Yeah, zigzag away. <laughs> Speaking of animals, the most important fact about Bonita Springs is it's the home of one of our favorite people who talks all about animals on his show, Varmint, our dear friend, Paul. And Mandy was actually recently on Varmint with I was. Our, our dear friend, Paul. Yeah, I, I did a little quick... Um, thing. I talked to Paul for a little bit about chickens, of course. I don't think anyone is going to be surprised by that. Um, but that was fun. So if you have not listened to that episode on chickens, you should definitely check it out. I think the name that he, um, the title that he called that episode was like my favorite part. He called it the chickening. Yeah. Which <laughs> I just thought that was so perfect and awesome. Well, I think they did a chickens episode before and this is like the the remix or something. Yeah. yeah. And then they included you, which was really cool. Yeah. Eh, it was <laughs> it wasn't my favorite. No, I'm just um, kidding. So actually, another thing about that is that Paul is actually the one who suggested that we do this episode. So yes. um, thanks for that suggestion, Paul. This was a very interesting case. Yes, we love Paul. He's great. He's so fun in our group. And Paul is not a fan of true crime, which I've heard from him several times. But yeah. somehow he <laughs> listens to us. So thank you very much, Paul, for always supporting us. And we love your show. All right, Melissa, you ready to kick us off for the week? Let's do it. So today's story is about as Mandy mentioned, Teresa Sievers, Dr. Teresa Sievers. Um, she was born, born November 19th, 1968 in Derby, Connecticut. Her mother's name was Mary Ann, and her father was not the skipper. It was John Tottenham. Did you get my joke? Nope. Oh, Gilligan's <laughs> Island. <laughs> Mary Ann, the skipper, too. All right, whatever. Um, <laughs> I feel like nobody can figure out how old I am because my references are just, like, constantly all over the place. <laughs> Teresa had an older sister named Lisa, who was actually six years old when Teresa was born. She was a fussy baby and a spitfire of a child, and you really never had to guess what she wanted because she would let you know. Her parents divorced when she was still a baby, and her mother raised Teresa and her siblings on her own, really. Um, she was a great mom, and she really believed in her children and wanted them to succeed. The kids were also very close to her dad's family, and they spent a lot of time with their paternal grandparents who instilled values and good habits. School came very easy to Teresa. She was very self-motivated, even as a teenager, when I wanted to give up and basically do nothing. Go and, live in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> our master plan of living in the woods. So she she was not a woods, woods planner. So she was valedictorian of her graduating class in 1986. Um... I was not valedictorian, even whenever I went to school with 13 other people. Yeah, I didn't get any academic recognition. No. Summa nada. <laughs> <laughs> Big fat nope. Um, but great for her. Um, she had different types of relationships with each of her siblings. She had two brothers and three sisters, but the closest bond she had was with her older sister, Lisa. Although Teresa often acted like the older sister, giving her sister advice and kind of filling that role in their family, I guess. She attended Fairfield University and graduated in 1990 with a master's of science in biology. At That's that a point, tough master's. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know because I've never tried taking she, it. But like, it <laughs> whenever you say master's, tough. I'm like, well, I'm out. <laughs> and then biology. There was like a two week, no, I'd say a couple months where I wanted to be a nurse or like an ultrasound tech, and I started taking biology classes at night, and I had like a small baby, and I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. This is <laughs> – I'm way out of my league here. By day, she was a nurse's aide, and at night, she liked to go out with her sister. She wanted to be a PA at first, but one of her mentors actually pushed her to become a doctor. So Teresa actually flew to the Caribbean, to the island of Dominica, and attended school at Ross University School of Medicine. She graduated in 1996 with honors. I thought that her um, going to like a tropical like country for yeah. med school, like I was like, wow, that's kind of like living the dream. I feel like I could go to med school if I get to go. No, you couldn't. Sorry. <laughs> no? Let me just ruin your dreams here. We're not anyway. motivated like this. No, we're not. But she came back to Florida and completed her residency at the University of Florida in Gainesville, which 
Melissa is already rolling her eyes prematurely because she knows I'm just going to have to say go Gators. And it, well, Mandy rolled up in here in a Gators jersey or not a jersey, a Gators <laughs> sweatshirt. And like, that was totally not intentional. Yeah. Okay. I mean, sure. it's just because this is what I wear. Yeah. <laughs> I'm from Tallahassee, so Florida State all the way. We're just complete rivals. Except we both really don't care. No, <laughs> we don't. So after she graduated, she kind of became one of those types of doctors that has like a million and one letters after their name, you know, and you don't know what any of them mean. I mean, you just she, nod. <laughs> yeah, you know, but, and it looks good. It's credentials, you know. So she, of course, was an MD and then she had another one, MSMS. And I Google searched the crap out of this and could not figure out what that meant. Um, she was an F-A-A-R-M and an A-B-I-H-M. Do you know what any of those are, Melissa? Well, F-A-A-R-M reminds me of, what is it, Future Farmers of America, FFA. Right. That's not what it means. <laughs> it actually is Fellow in Anti-Aging and Regenerative Medicine. Okay, that's not real. <laughs> well, it is. Um, and then the last one was American Board of Integrative Holistic Medicine. So she just had these little specialty, uh, you know, parts of her field that she was, I guess, proficient in. Yeah. Or I don't know how this works. <laughs> We only bring you the facts. Yeah. We just don't know them. <laughs> <laughs> so Teresa loved living life in Florida. Um, she loved the weather. She thought it was too cold in Connecticut, didn't really have any desire to go move back to where her family was from. Um, she moved to Charleston, South Carolina for a brief period of time, and she actually met a man that she ended up marrying, uh, her first husband, Kenny. She married him in 2000, and they moved back to Florida and lived in St. Petersburg for another kind of a short time. Um, in 2003, they actually got divorced. So she met her second husband, Mark Seavers, through his sister, Stacy, who I assume she was friends with. I couldn't really get clarification on that. But yeah. one way or another, she knew uh, Mark Seavers' sister, Stacy, and that's who introduced the two of them. So she married Mark just seven months after her divorce was finalized from her first husband. But everybody really said that they just were a match made in heaven. They thought they, you know, they were both really happy together. So even though it seems like it was kind of a quick thing, I guess it's one of those like when, she's, when she's, you know, you know. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. She know. seemed like somebody who she knew it. She just moved on it and that's right. what she did. Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. So a little bit of information about Mark Seavers. Um, he was born and raised in Hillsboro, Missouri. He became a licensed practical nurse in 1995, so he kind of had a little bit of that same medical passion and background right. as Teresa, which could have been one of the reasons why she was attracted to him. Yeah. He was living with a friend in Missouri in 1999, and they actually got evicted from this house. And so that's when he decided to move to St. Petersburg to continue working as a nurse. So then, of course, he met and married Teresa in 2003. They had a beautiful beach wedding, a uh, very intimate, like a smaller kind of ceremony. 
And then the couple moved to Bonita Springs in 2005. They had a house built and they started a family. They actually had two daughters together. And then at this point, um, they opened a holistic medical practice, which was called the Restorative Health and Healing Center. This was a very well-known practice. And like we said at the beginning, Teresa was a high-profile holistic doctor, which I don't know about you. You probably have, but you know how I am with doctors. I'm very, very picky. Yeah. just because Melissa's always calling me a hippie, but like Teresa Seaver seems like the kind of doctor that I would go to. Like I yeah. would personally like seek out a doctor like that. And actually I I did this year and I'm still waiting. Like I made an appointment back in March and it's finally coming in June. Like oh, yeah. that was her first available. So, but it's another, it's a doctor that's like this. But, um, so I can see how they're, they are kind of sought after because there's not a ton of them. Yeah. And, um, Oh, and know, a lot of times your insurance does they not don't. pay they, for this. I know. Yeah. Well, thankfully this one that I found my insurance oh, that's good. pay for. But yeah, so I can understand how she would be like, a, especially in such a small area like Bonita Springs. Yeah. She probably was the only holistic doctor really, you know, around the area. Right. I don't know that. That's not a fact. <laughs> we I said she's probably. Up, so. probably. So Mark managed the office of Teresa's practice and had a major role in raising their kids. Of course, Teresa's dream was to be this wonderful doctor, which she was, and have this practice, and that was her passion. So her husband kind of took on the role of child care, you know, right. child caregiver. So he was happy to kind of put his life on hold and um, let his wife pursue her her dream, really. So Teresa became more interested in holistic medicine and would actively seek out new ways to get to the bottom of patients' problems and heal them. I know she was an MD, but it seemed to me she was more of a DO, like the DO right. is more full, what else is going on with you that could cause this whatever issue. Um, And those are great to have, especially if you're somebody and these are people that were coming to her that had issues and they had no idea where it's coming from. Like nobody can figure it out. Sometimes those are like last chance doctors, like when you're just like something's wrong with me, but I don't know what. Teresa felt the public wasn't getting true information on how to actually heal themselves. My time working for a doctor, I feel like there was this like pushback between doctors and like homeopathic doctors and like if I told my doctor I was taking vitamins he's like why so your pee will be expensive (laughs) like that's just (laughs) how he was but he was super healthy but he was just like over that kind of stuff so her goal was to make holistic medicine more mainstream and to teach people how to naturally heal themselves she took a lot of time with her patients and she sent them home with detailed plans on how to care for themselves the staff always joked that she took her patients to Seavers University so Teresa was pretty small. She was actually only four foot ten, but she walked around in these like monster heels. And the office said people in the office said that they could always just hear her clopping around in the halls, like going from room to room. That's how they would know she was in the office. Yeah, like, they would hear her come in, and they would hear her shoes kind of like click clacking all over the place. Which I just love that. Yeah, yeah. I, I honestly do. Like I love a short woman with like high heels on, and like yeah. I don't know. There's something about it. It's just is adorable. <laughs> So Teresa practiced what she preached, and she encouraged her family to take care of themselves as well. She was vegan and was actually a really great cook, and people said that even meat eaters liked her food. I have no comment on that. I was almost fed vegan dip the other night, and I was really ticked. It was terrible. I think you can. I think there are vegan things that I will like, you know, such as an apple. (laughs) (laughs) Oreos. Did you know Oreos are vegan? Yeah. That's the most exciting thing in the world. I can go vegan. But but no, I mean, I think there are things. Oh, for sure. There are. are. just, Just don't ask me to, like, never eat meat, and I will not comment on your vegan I won't food. ask you to eat me. Exactly. And well, I'll be happy. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Teresa lived for her practice and she loved helping people, but she did rule her office with sort of an iron fist. She was very serious with her patients and showed them tough love, and she was not really there to sugarcoat anything for them. Which I guess is a good quality to have in a doctor. Of course, you don't I'm not paying a doctor to be nice and just tell me what I want to hear. You know, you're at the doctor, you're trying to get to the bottom of whatever your health issue is. Right. Um, And so, I mean, that's kind of respectable, I guess, if you ask me, that she's not there just, you know, she's taking her job seriously and she's trying to actually help these people. And sometimes you have to tell them things they don't want to hear, right, you know, in sure. order to help them get healthy. Yeah. So I can totally understand that. Um, but her coworkers said that she would often uh, get onto and yell at her husband in the office. And she was a perfectionist and she wanted everything just the way she wanted it. And if it wasn't going her way, she would show it. I mean, with her, you know, she would get an attitude with right. the people in the office. You know, I don't mean that to be nasty, but this is what her coworkers said that the dynamic was like working with her. 
there was just kind of like a weird thing going on between her and her husband. And she would, I mean, she wouldn't hold back with him. If she was upset, she would yell at him or talk, you know, in a snarky way to him or whatever the case was on that particular day. And he kind of would just like, okay, Teresa, I'll take care of it. You know, like he would never reciprocate that. Um, Have you worked in an office with like a husband and wife, like, or if you've ever worked with a husband and wife, that is some stressful stuff because they own it. It's their baby. Like the one I worked at, I have very vivid memories of some really bad stuff. Um, Or not really bad, but it was like, it would not fly in a regular office, but with it being husband and wife, that's like, it's a totally different dynamic. Yeah. Teresa's sister said that even though they had this type of relationship, um, that was kind of functional for them. And that's just how they were. Right. And that um, Teresa was was devoted to Mark as well, despite this, you know, weird dynamic that they had going on in the office. So Sandra Hoskins, who was Teresa's medical assistant, said that Teresa was an amazing doctor. But again, she had a short fuse, uh, said she would get feisty with people and patients even and that she witnessed a lot of that going on in the office in her time working for Teresa. Right. Another interesting thing was that her husband, Sandra's husband, also worked in the office. Yeah. There's just too much coupling, yeah. <laughs> I feel like, for one They for should one consciously <laughs> uncouple in that office. Yeah. <laughs> Teresa, Mark, and kids had planned a trip to visit Teresa's family in upstate New York. Teresa decided to cut this trip short and get a flight home on Sunday, June 28, 2015. She wanted to make sure she was back in the office to see patients on Monday morning. Now, did you see anything where, like, did she cut the trip short when she was there? I just kept seeing and reading, and I heard in the thing that we watched that she cut her trip short, but I don't know what they mean by that necessarily. I don't know, because obviously Mark and the kids were going to stay back, stay stay there, Mm -hmm. so I don't know if she was supposed to stay or yeah. if she just decided like, oh, I really want to be back for Monday and she just left early. That's kind of the way it was made yeah, out. Yeah, that's what I was thinking because – but if she wants to see patients on Monday, it, unless it's like a walk-in clinic, you know, because now you're going to tell your staff. So I actually – I did have this happen with a doctor where he decided – it was a whole thing. But he wanted to come back early and so he said, open my schedule up for Monday. So you're like Friday calling people. But that's where I couldn't understand like – because that's an important part of the story like – right. Why did she come home early and if it was planned that she came home early? So Teresa flew home alone, leaving her husband and kids in New York. She landed at Southwest International Airport and got in a car to drive home. She can be seen on surveillance video wheeling her luggage out of the airport. And she texts her husband at this point that she made it off the plane and was, quote unquote, safe. So Southwest Florida International Airport, have you ever heard of it? I have not. I haven't either. So it's a very, very small airport, and um, I guess it services a lot of, like, South Florida, like, you know, areas and everything. It's so small. It's a single runway um, airport, which is tiny. Yeah. Especially whenever you're coming from Orlando. Like, we have a huge airport here. Yeah, yeah. So that was really weird. But I guess they have a new runway that they're opening in 2020, not Orlando, um, Southwest International. They're opening a new runway. But I did read and learn that it was a Border Patrol um, port of entry. So if you're coming from out of the country or leaving the country, you can come and go through that airport, which um, I always just thought it was Miami was like the only one that we had. Hawaii is international though, right? So you can But come, you don't come straight through to Orlando. Like you can take an international flight out of Orlando. So one time I went to Mexico with my mom and we flew from Orlando to Miami and then had to go through customs and then get on another plane and then flew to Mexico. So if you fly in from out of the country, like you don't fly direct to Orlando. You have to go through. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, you have to go through. This was one of them because you'd think Orlando. Yeah, because my time in Haiti and Dominican, we always went Miami to. Right. To there. So that's why I was just surprised. I thought that was an interesting little It is, Mandy. Nice. <laughs> the next morning, Monday, June 29th, her assistant Sandra was surprised to see that Teresa did not show up to the office, which was very unlike her, which I would think would be very unlikely for any doctor. They're like, if they're not there, nothing gets done. So the, her calls and texts were went unanswered, and the coworkers started worrying about Teresa. Sandra texted Mark at this point to ask if she should go to their house to check on Teresa. He replied simply, no. He said that he couldn't get a hold of her either and would send a friend over to check things out. The friend that he sent over actually found Teresa dead at the home. There was a hammer found near her body and it looked like she had been bludgeoned to death. Eventually it would come out that she had been hit over 17 times with the hammer. The initial inspection of the home revealed that there were signs of forced entry, like pry marks that were actually on the door, 
Mark's extensive gun collection and over $40,000 in cash were left untouched. The home's alarm system had not been activated during this break-in. Detectives and family work on a theory that a random person had broken in and killed Teresa. Mark Seaver's mom was actually house-sitting while the family was in New York. She allegedly had some kind of issue setting the house alarm, and Mark told her not to worry about it. But can you imagine being her? Right. You're like, oh, if the alarm had gone off, she would have known this person was in there or whatever. Um, So that had to be terrible. So now we have this prominent doctor who has been found dead in her home, and her husband and children are 1,300 miles away in another state. And so this all looks It doesn't make sense. Nothing makes sense about how or why she was killed. And there were really no clues left about who could have done it. One thing that I heard in the little documentary that we watched was that their field of like suspects was really wide open because you could be looking at like family, friends, patients. Like there's a number of people that could have potentially had some kind of vendetta against her. And so where where do you even begin? You know, and especially – um, if it was true, the way that she was kind of stern with her patients, I mean, it could have been anybody, you yeah. know, that for all they knew, they didn't know if somebody took something the wrong way or had yeah. something out for her. So Teresa's funeral was eight days after her murder, and there were many people in attendance. There was uh, friends, family, and patients. And a weird part of the story is that Sandra, who, of course, was uh, the medical assistant to Teresa, and her husband, Frank... They said that Mark was very strange at the funeral, and he made not just them, but several other um, attendees kind of feel uncomfortable, and he was giving them dirty looks, and they said that they felt he had hatred in his eyes, and they didn't really know, you know, why he had that type of reaction, and um, I guess he had hugged one of them and, like, was squeezing them really tight and, like, clenching his teeth and, like, had said some kind of a few words or something, but they said they could just feel this, like, hatred coming off of him. Yeah. What which you could see if he's like thinking someone killed my wife and I'm mad. Like that's not that's yeah. not crazy. Yeah. But you'd yeah. still think it'd be more grieving, but I guess each person Everybody does, does it different. Yeah. Teresa's ex-husband was also at the funeral and apparently whenever he went in to give Mark a hug and kind of offer his condolences, he felt a gun under Mark's clothes. So this man, Teresa's ex-husband thought that it was a strange place to carry a concealed weapon, but again, this is Florida. It is not a strange place to conceal a weapon. Literally, no matter where you are, no. it's extremely common here. Well, and if you're if you are thinking you don't know who the suspect is, it's not that crazy to think they could be after my family, right? So even though Sandra and her husband Frank had said, you know that they felt strange vibes coming off of Mark at the funeral. There may have been a little bit more to their story as well, because according to Teresa's sister, Sandra was not this wonderful five-star employee. She apparently was kind of disgruntled, and she would talk smack about the doctor to the patients. And supposedly, rumor has it, that she was going to be bringing in her resignation letter the same day that Teresa was found dead. So that kind of adds an interesting... Yeah, but it would be more interesting if, like, she was going to get fired the day she was – like, if you're quitting. Yeah. I mean – but Then you're out of there. Yeah, but you could still be mad about it. True. Yeah. You know. Well, this is where your conspiracy theories come in handy. (laughs) Stop it right now. (laughs) The police brought Sandra and her husband in for questioning, and they actually asked the husband, Frank, if he was having an affair with Teresa. And, of course, he was like, no, absolutely not. I would never do that, all that. But they were suspicious of Frank as well because apparently Mark had let him go from the office nine months earlier, which, again, when I read this, I was like, that would be a long time to hold a grudge. Yeah. Like, that's a – let it go. Yeah. (laughs) We have to move on at this point. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't know. I didn't – I wasn't buying it, you know, whatever they said. He was suspicious because of that. Like, I was like, nine months ago? Like, I don't even remember what I did nine minutes ago. No. I'm probably still mad at things from nine months ago, but that's just only when I remember them, (laughs) which is never. So Mark was, of course, also questioned by the police. And within a few days of the murder, they actually believed that he was, at the very least, a person of interest. He was initially cooperative and spoke to police with no attorney present. And he allowed detectives to download the contents of his cell phone. He said he had nothing to hide. Um, he was not worried. Of course, he had an alibi. He wasn't even in the state whenever this took place. So he wasn't really concerned about giving up you know, any of that information to the police. So two months passed after the murder, and finally there was a break in the case. The police announced that they had arrested two suspects who were from Missouri. So people were, of course, 
puzzled by this because that makes absolutely no sense. Right. They two suspects, nonetheless, like not even just one, you know, one off person. Right. This is two people out of state who are from another state. Yeah. And are actively living in another state. Right. You know, not just like, oh, they were from here, but now they're in Florida. No, these people were residents of another state. Yeah. So now you really have to start wondering, like, what's going on here? One of the men was named Jimmy Rogers. And of course, like I said before, nobody had ever heard of him or had any idea how he would be connected to Teresa. The second man was a man named Wayne Wright. So the interesting and most shocking thing about Wayne Wright was that if you compared his photo side by side to Mark Seavers, Teresa's husband, you would think they shared a womb. Like, honestly, yeah. they were so similar looking. And that was actually ended up being a big talking point in this case was how similar this suspect looked to the victim's husband. Yeah. It was bizarre. Like I doppelgangers. Mean, it yeah, was crazy. It was really crazy. It was something else. Mandy, do you have a doppelganger? Am I saying that word right? I, I, I think very so. Un- I think that's how you say it. I don't think I have one. I, if I do, I haven't met her. But they say if you do meet your doppelganger, then something is bad. They'll kill you? Oh, gosh. (laughs) There's only room for one of me on this planet, Melissa. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So Wayne Wright's real name was actually Curtis Wainwright, and he was not a complete stranger, as Mandy mentioned. He actually attended school with Mark Sievers and had been friends from a really early age. They grew up together and were best friends, and he attended the Sievers' wedding back in 2003. Mark was actually Wayne's best man in a wedding in Missouri two months prior to the murder. Wayne would also travel to Florida from Missouri to work on the computers in Teresa's office. He was super smart, class president, but I don't understand why you would go from Missouri to Florida for IT. No, and there's definitely plenty of IT people in every, no matter where you live, so. I know. I I don't know. I thought that was weird, too. I mean, I guess if it was just like, a routine maintenance thing, and then since they're such good friends that he would come and do like a visit and then yeah. just make it into a, a work trip, trip and kind yeah. of just go and maintain their computers while he was in town Yeah, for free. I don't really know. Who knows? Yeah. Bizarre. One interesting thing about Wayne was that in 1996, he was the last person to see this guy alive. The body was never found of this victim, but the brother of the victim in that case, Greg Wolin, believed that Mark murdered his brother over a small sum of money that he owed him. Wayne was never charged in that case, but was officially listed as a person of interest. In 2011, Wayne was in prison for drug possession. It just so happened at this point, Jimmy Rogers was an inmate at the same jail, serving time on weapons charges. So Jimmy Rogers was nicknamed the Hammer. Jimmy Rogers may have named himself the Hammer. We don't know. We don't really know for sure. But in the documentary, they did say that they they. They couldn't really find any evidence that he actually went by this nickname, The Hammer. Right. And so they thought that like one possible theory was that he started calling himself that while he was in jail and kind of trying to like be intimidating to the other inmates. Like yeah. I'm my you know, they call me the hammer, which And nobody and somebody say, should have said who. <laughs> yeah. It's not a very intimidating nickname. No. Not whenever you have MC Hammer and his silly little what are those pants called? Well, they're called MC Hammer pants. Parachute pants. Parachute pants. Thanks. There's a real name for them. So after he was released from jail, he was hired at a contracting company. His boss said he bragged a lot and told a lot of tall tales, but he never thought he was dangerous, just that he was a big talker. I feel like we all know someone like that. We all know at least someone like that. (laughs) (laughs) So he told coworkers that he was planning a trip to Florida in June of 2015. He even told some people that he was going to visit the Seavers. Idiot. I know. So much stupid here. So on the day of the murder, the boss act, asked if Jimmy could work, and he said he couldn't because he was still in Florida. He told his boss he was there to watch his brother graduate from law school. And at the same time, he told his girlfriend Taylor he was going out of town to work with Wayne. You have to pick one consistent pick one. story. Pick a lane. Go, yeah, go and hardcore. tell everyone your story. Yes. We don't want you to get away with murder, no. but come on. Just in general, in life. <laughs> in life, when you're lying, story. just pick a story. <laughs> It's been a while since I've had a baby of my own, and some days I miss it so much. The baby cuddles and baby smiles, but when it comes to diaper rashes, not so much. I remember the first time my oldest had a diaper rash, I was really devastated. 
Here's this tiny thing, totally dependent on me. And now she's fussy and obviously uncomfortable. And I'm supposed to have the answers. Well, with time and treatment, it went away. But what I really wanted was to avoid it altogether. And now baby butts rejoice. New Huggies Skin Essentials are here, a brand new dermatologist-approved line of diapers, wipes, and pull-ups training pants, all designed with baby's sensitive skin in mind. The wipes are thick and have zero harsh ingredients for a great, gentle clean. Pull-Up Skin Essentials has got your big kid covered, too, with a training pant that's ultra-soft and breathable to help protect sensitive skin throughout potty training. Whether you're a first-time parent or a seasoned pro, make it easy on yourself and your baby with Huggies. Learn more at Huggies.com. Once again, head to Huggies.com to learn more. The police got a tip about the men going to Florida. They went to Missouri to question the men about their trip. At first, Wayne tried to deny the trip to Florida, but the GPS told the whole story. I always think it's interesting when, like, technology ends up being the downfall of, like, a criminal. Like, they think they can just be like, oh, no, I didn't go to Florida. And the officers are like, well... Actually, we have an entire log of your driving history yeah. <laughs> right here from inside your truck. And what kind of IT guy were you? He wasn't getting work yeah. in Missouri. That's why he was in Florida. Because yeah. any IT guy would know it's all going to be in the GPS. Yeah. I guess they didn't think about that. How? I, well, you got to, if you're going to commit a crime, you got to think these things through. got to think of everything. Yeah. Please don't. Again, yeah. just. We sound like we're advocating for crimes, <laughs> but we're really not. <laughs> So as Melissa said, the GPS told the whole story. (laughs) Um, On June 27th, 2015, Wayne rented a car in Missouri, and then from there he went and picked up Jimmy Rogers. They put Mark and Teresa Seaver's home address into the GPS system and then drove 1,100 miles over a day and a night to get to Florida. This is so stupid. So much stupid. Like putting in their actual home address. Like you don't think this is going to come back to you somehow? And hasn't he been there like a million times? He's been to the office. I mean, I guess not if you're taking a drive straight from Missouri. I mean, I don't know. I know we don't use maps anymore, but you could have looked at a map for this. (laughs) (laughs) So he arrived at the Seavers home at around 6 a.m. on June 28th, which was the same day that Teresa would later be returning home. So he gets there at 6 a.m., the two men do. So they turned off the house alarm at 6.09 a.m., and then the two men went to Walmart and bought a few items that they paid cash for. They actually used a $100 bill to buy um, trash bags, flushable wipes, black towels, black shoes, and a lock-picking kit. Um, And then possibly one of the most disturbing parts of the story is that after this, the two of them just drove down to the beach and enjoyed the day at the beach while they waited for Teresa to get back to her home. So you have the whole drive down to Florida. Then you have a literal beach day to think this through. Like, what am I doing here? So once the men got back to the Seavers' home, they hung out in the garage and waited for Teresa to arrive. The investigators think that Wayne started the attack and Jimmy finished it. And then less than an hour after they had completed the murder, the men got back into their car and headed straight back to Missouri. When questioned, Jimmy denied having anything to do with the murder. But his girlfriend, Taylor, routed him out to the cops. She said that Jimmy asked her for help and wanted to help dispose of this evidence. So he, one thing she he asked her to do was to, right, like while she's driving down the road, they're driving down the road, he's like, throw this out of the window, throw this out of the window. Yeah. Why are you throwing various pieces of evidence all down the highway? Like then somebody finds one piece and they're like, hmm, there must be more where this comes from. Yeah, it doesn't seem well thought out, but no. none of this does. <laughs> Which I'm glad that none of this was well thought out. So the poor girl was actually in fear for her life and the life of her children. I understand that. Yeah, for sure. A lot of people, when it came to this girl, you know, they really pointed fingers at her and wanted to pass judgment on her because they're like, well, after he told you all, you know, all this and then you started, he's asking you to dispose of evidence and why didn't you go to the police and all this. This is your boyfriend who now you, who has killed someone. What are you supposed to do with that information other than like just try to preserve yourself, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, she did the right thing. She just couldn't do it immediately. You, I don't think that's the time to take a stand with him to be like, no, I'm not throwing it out. Right. Well, then you're next. Right. So Jimmy apparently told Taylor that it was supposed to be a murder for hire plot and Jimmy was going to get $10,000 in this murder for hire plot. He said that Mark hired Wayne and Wayne hired Jimmy without Mark's knowledge. She said Jimmy told her details of the murder and that he had gone with Wayne and used a hammer. It still really didn't make sense at this point on why Wayne would want to kill his best friend's wife. So all eyes are really on Mark at this point. Right. Because he's the only 
link between the two of them. Yeah. So Mark's family, they stuck by his side. They didn't believe he had any involvement in his wife's death. Um, his sister and mother, of course, were, you know, they they didn't believe he had anything to do with it. They knew the couple. They knew how happy they were. They knew, even though they knew what kind of dynamic they had, they they felt that they were a happy couple. Right. And just living out this dream of doing what they wanted to do. So at this point, Mark stops talking to the police and he stops doing interviews and he gets a lawyer, which people also thought was suspicious. But in my opinion, if your spouse is murdered, I don't really think – I feel like I don't care how bad it makes you look. You should get no, a lawyer. For sure. For sure. That's what they're there for. But you see that kind of thing brought up a lot in cases where they're like, oh, they got a lawyer. That must mean that they did something wrong. No. That means they recognize that they're an idiot and can't speak like to police in public without potentially saying something wrong because anything will be used against you at this point. Um, so I feel like it's smart to get a lawyer oh, no for matter sure. what. For you know? sure. I would not talk to anyone. And I've no. told my husband that. I'm like, if anything ever happens to you, just get an attorney. Right. Just you just never know. I know that juries, like they'll say that a lot, jurors a lot of time think, oh, well, that could be a guilty, you know, whatever. But you're just, it's self-preservation. Right. So there were reporters, of course, digging into details of this case and into Mark's life. And one of them found out that the couple had a much different personal life than what they portrayed in the public eye. There were actually rumors that the couple were swingers. This is back to... Wolfpack. Wolfpack. Yeah, Wolfpack. So when the police downloaded the contents of Mark's phone, they found evidence of this open marriage and that Mark and Teresa were both having relationships with other people. As part of this uh, phone content download dump that they went through, um, they also discovered that the couple had some severe money problems. They actually had a lien on their house and um, – it just appeared that they were struggling financially right. in, in addition to having a, a struggling in their relationship. They also found out that Teresa had five life insurance policies, uh, separate policies, and in total, they were all worth over $4 million. Wow. Yeah. So, well, there's your motive. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So they found that Mark had kept a journal on his phone where he really went into detail about his marital problems and would write about losing trust in Teresa. He believed that she was in another relationship. Um, they didn't really have an active sex life anymore. He felt inadequate because she was a breadwinner, just all these different themes that would keep popping up in these journal entries that he's writing in his phone. Right. Which, yeah. Again, digital. Yeah. But his buddy Wayne's not helping him at all here. Well, Wayne's a lost cause. Yeah. <laughs> Forget about Wayne. <laughs> so the fact that Mark had gone to Missouri for Wayne's wedding was also suspicious to the police. Jimmy also was a wedding guest, and police wondered if they had discussed this murder plot for the first time, possibly there, while they were all three together. So they had no proof to connect Mark to the murder other than what, you know, other people around them were saying. And so eight months went by, and Wayne eventually turned on Mark. He admitted that he was guilty of second-degree murder. He admitted that he committed the crime and that he killed Teresa. But he pointed his finger squarely at Mark and said, Mark masterminded this whole thing, right. convinced us to do it, said we were going to get this money. And um, so at that point, Mark was arrested and charged. It was eight months later. Um, they didn't know – they didn't really have anything, like I said, to tie him to the crime. So they hadn't arrested him prior to this. Right. So Mark's family was in denial. They said he would not do this to his kids. He wasn't a sociopath and basically said that Wayne was just somebody who would kind of always tried to model his life after Mark and was kind of obsessed with him, which you have to see these pictures. We'll have to post them somewhere. The picture, they are, I mean, Uncanny. eerily. Yeah, yeah it it's, is. It's, it's something. It is. But honestly, I wouldn't want to look like either one of them. Like no. if somebody said you look like that guy, I'd be like, oh crap, that's yeah. not good. <laughs> So Teresa's mom is now the guardian of these kids. In June of 2017, Teresa's mom asked the court to move the girls to Connecticut so that she and her husband could have more support with raising the children. Traveling back and forth with Florida had become very hard for her 83-year-old husband. Yeah, that's a lot. Both the defense and prosecution are still waiting to receive evidence that they had previously requested as, for part of this trial. The defense wanted four bins of documents envelopes, correspondence, but they would not be receiving them until May 30th, which is when we're recording tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, they'll be getting them tomorrow. Hopefully. 
Yeah, hopefully. You know there's going to be some kind of delay. There always is, yeah. Once they were scanned into evidence, the evidence sent to the federal lab in April of 2016 still has not been processed for results. That tells you something about the whole process. Like, it's they're insane. Busy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of crimes going yeah, on here. Yeah, it's terrible. So Jimmy Rogers waived his right to arraignment hearing and pled not guilty to second-degree murder. Mark pled not guilty as well, and the court is seeking the death penalty. I hope they find more evidence to directly link Mark to this. Well, it sounds like they will, you know, basically what we've learned about in here, it sounds to me like they do have quite a bit of evidence. I mean, they've sent people, they've convicted people of murder for, on a lot less, you know. For sure. Um, And they have all this proof of everything that he put on his phone and these detailed, you know, these journal entries and but it's got to be beyond a reasonable doubt. You got to like you have to be able to say as a juror this guy wasn't just ticked off because she decided to outsource IT to somebody locally. You know what I mean? And then right. there's his motive. So I do hope if if he is the mastermind behind this there's like more concrete stuff there. Yeah, for sure. So Melissa, do we have any last thing before we goes for the week? We do. I'm going to do a twofer. Okay. So um the first one is from our dear friend Deirdre. M in our Mums Word Facebook group, one of my favorite people. Um, now that summer has hit the north, what traditional summer ritual do you absolutely have to do? Like what spells summer for you? So I don't really have any like, I don't know. We're so lame when it comes to tradition oh, questions because mm-hmm. we don't have, I don't have a lot of traditions or things I do traditionally. And then I think living in Florida, it's like perpetual summer. So it is. nothing really marks summer when you live in Florida. There's nothing. You and know, when you homeschool kids. Exactly. it's like constant. It's just always. But um, I mean, just spending time at the beach, really, it sounds very cliche, but you know, we don't, we go to the beach as often as we can, but definitely more in the summer, we'll do more beach trips and take, you know, where you pack up all the million and one things that you need when you have kids, this giant bag and tent and umbrellas and sunscreen. And you just do the big, the whole shebang and do like a whole day at the beach, um, which I love doing, you know, sometimes we'll take out the little portable grill or take out a little charcoal grill or something and cook out and just stay there all day. And so I love doing that. Of course, um, I grew up here, so I love the beach. It's one of my favorite things. Yeah. But other than that, no, I don't really have anything that's like nothing I do that just says like this is summer. Yeah. Mine is at the end of summer, really. Like in September, my husband's family, his aunt owns this like really nice beach condo. And so like in September, we take our trip and we go for like a week and it's so much fun. And my in-laws are there. So they're there. And then they help with the kids, which is great. But like that spells like more of the end of summer. But you're right. Like we're boring Floridians. Like, yeah, it's always summer. <laughs> it's always summer. Yeah. So yeah. And we're always at the beach or doing something like that. So I don't think that answered your question very well, Deirdre, but we love you anyway. And the next one is from a familiar name on our podcast and in our group, Farron N. Um, so her family that listens now, shout out to you all as well. Hi, Farron's Hi. family. <laughs> so um, Farron asked what we wanted to be when we grow up. Mandy. So when I was really, really little, I wanted to be a veterinarian. That shocker. Melissa's like, oh, okay, cool. Okay. Come <laughs> something I didn't know. Um, so that was what I wanted. That would be like my dream job when I was probably like five to ten. Mm-hmm. And then I started getting more into um, – like law stuff. And so by the time I was in high school, I actually went to, um, I was in a magnet program called the Academy of Law and Government that was at my high school. Is this when you were in Gifted and Talented? (laughs) No, this is after Gifted and Talented. I was a very gifted child. (laughs) Still Doesn't count if you say it about yourself. (laughs) I'm kidding. Um, But no, I was in, like I said, it's program I was accepted into the Academy of Law and Government. And so um, at my high school, we would take... um, we had block scheduling. So we would only have four classes a day. And then the second half of the year, you would get a new set of four classes. So um, for like most of my high school years, I had mostly like law related classes. So I took Mm -hmm. a lot of like law stuff and we would do like all these fun, like mock trials and all this, you know, just fun, fun stuff. I remember that like it was so much fun. That was my favorite part of high school. I'm so sad it's over. Um, and I'm sad that I didn't use any of that information or knowledge to actually become a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> this is for the people that watch Arrested Development. When Mandy says mock trial, it reminds me of mock trial with Judge <laughs> Reinhold. With William Hung sings this song and like 
they do like a mock trial and he like remember William Hung from American Idol? She bangs, she bangs. Yes. It's the funniest thing in the entire world. Okay. <laughs> so when I was little, I wanted to be a teacher, really. I always wanted to be a teacher. I don't know. I wanted to be a special education teacher for a while. But really, I this is too cheesy to say because I'm not a very like emotional person, but I always wanted to be a mom. That was like kind of always like Aww. I know. <laughs> I used to do that terrible thing like where I would carry my babies around and like pop my shirt up at like two and three and put a baby on your chest because like you just see moms nursing and like that's just kind of what I thought you did. So, I always wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I really always wanted to be a mom. That was kind of – that was it for me. So, it, hey, it worked. My dream, All my <laughs> dreams came true. <laughs> I got to be what I wanted to be when I grew up. I never wanted to be a podcaster. No. Didn't know it was a thing. Never no. wanted to be on the radio. Nothing like that. So this is kind of a new dream that we figured out a year ago. We've just turned over a new leaf. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> So before we end our episode this week, I just want to remind everyone that we do a bonus episode on Patreon every month, and we have a one coming out this month that I think some people will enjoy. Some people might want to skip it. Um, it's a story that's very popular and very well known. Um, we're going to tell the story of John Benet Ramsey, and we're going to talk about a few of the different theories that have emerged, uh, not in an accusatory way. No, nope, not at, at all. all. We're just going to discuss, um, in our words some of the theories that have come out from this case. Um, so if you are interested in that, check that out. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash moms and murder podcast um, and see what we have to offer there. We do stickers, magnets, coffee cups. Um, what else, Melissa? <laughs> well, a bunch of extra bonus con com content and we try and put some bloopers up there and yes. we do some video and stuff. So We do put the outtakes of episodes up there and those can be pretty – I don't know. I it's just a screaming funny. edit and then getting in giggle fest. So <laughs> if the go. giggling bothers you, don't, you don't go like, there. You're not going to like it. You'll yeah. hate it. So we hope you guys enjoyed our episode this week. Uh, we'll see you next week. Bye. We just also want to say a quick thank you to Kelly Cortana. She's one of our listeners that helped us uh, research for this case this week. And we've been having a couple of people who have been helping us research. And it's been such a big help to me. Um, it really does reduce the amount of time that I – spend um, on that part of it. And uh, we really appreciate it. So if you've ever done any research for us, um, thank you so much. This week, like I said, it was Kelly. Um, and if you're interested in doing it, let me know. Thanks so much for listening to the Moms and Murder podcast. Make sure to check back with us next week for a new episode. You can also find us at momsandmurder.com where you can connect with us via social media. Please make sure you subscribe and give us five stars because giving us four stars would be a crime. Thanks so much.